You're listening to Special Features, the only podcast on the freaking internet that talks about the past, the present, and the future of popular culture. It is I, Alexi Toliopoulos, speaking directly into your ears and hopefully down that ear canal and all the way into your freaking soul. We are taking a moment. So this is a pre-recorded episode that we had in the tank when we were trying to figure out what we wanted this brand new Special Features podcast to be all about. It's about a topic that Cameron is obsessed with. I'm also obsessed with it. It's a really fun episode. Um, So I can't wait for you to freaking hear it. In the meantime, if you want to hear more from us, you can head over to patreon.com slash total reboot is what it is at the moment. The links are in the show notes. You can get access to bonus episodes where I quiz Cameron about his film knowledge. And also next weekend is when I'm going to be up in Brisbane for both. Brisbane-only Repulsive Liquid Film Festival. I'll be talking to Philip Brophy, the director of Body Melt, live in the cinema with a screening of that classic, gooey Australian anthology horror film, film that I freaking adore. It is so freaking whack and weird and so much fun. And then I'll be presenting Reanimator in a double feature right after that. If you've never seen Reanimator, it's a horror classic for a reason. Uh, it's at the New Farm Cinemas in Brisbane. I can't wait to see you there. I, I haven't been to Brisbane in freaking ages, like I said. Please do come hang out. Cameron has got WTFAQ on ABC Wednesday nights. That is tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. So watch it on the big TV. Uh, enjoy this episode. It's a real fun one. And I'll catch you on the next one leads me directly to the thing that I wanted to talk to you about today, which is wow. an obsession of mine that I've had mm-hmm. for quite some time and that has reared its fugly ass head again to me most recently, and that is sitcoms that change their premise halfway through a <gasps> season. Whoa, okay. This is something that fascinates me as well because it feels rare now. Mm. This feels like something that is such from a bygone era of premise-led TV, which is more something I associate with 90s, but earlier, more earlier than the 90s. And it happens a few times. The last one that I truly remember, and just off the top of my head as we're getting into the topic... There were two that I remember. One is one that I don't know if it ever actually happens, but um, this TV show Up All Night with Mm -hmm. Christina Applegate and Will Arnett, Mm -hmm. uh, it was a single camera sitcom where they're new parents and they're both still navigating their professional lives. Uh, I remember them saying that they were going to reformat it as a multicam, but I don't think it ever eventuated. It just got cancelled. Well, I can tell you a little bit about that because I think I've read almost every instance of this happening over the last few Mm. years because it's just one of those minor fascinations that I've had that any time it pops up, I'm kind of drawn to it and I've never quite known why I'm obsessed with Mm. this particular thing. For anyone at home who doesn't know what we're talking about, it's like Alexi said, it's quite a common thing that has happened throughout history where a sitcom has been completely retooled away from its original premise or idea towards something else. And, uh, I mean, there's a couple of early examples of it pre-90s that aren't quite mm. what I'm talking about, but I'll use them as examples. The first is Happy Days, which yeah. is, as we all know, mm-hmm. even if you've never seen Happy Days, you're aware of Happy Days. <clears throat> and yes. as we all know... Ha- it's ubiquitous in the <clears throat> culture. It's ubiquitous. As we all know, Happy Days 
was launched as a story about a young, plucky teen, Richie Cunningham, mm-hmm. played winningly by Ron Howard uh, yes. and his family. And it was about him kind of grappling with love and relationships and friendships in the 1950s America. Yeah. And that was... <clears throat> Would I put it in a just a very succinct way sure. of what you just said? Yeah. It's about love, American style. It, exactly. <laughs> Which is the show that it was spun off from. So... The origin- that was the original premise of the show, but then audiences very quickly grew to love this minor side character, Arthur Fonzarelli, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the Fonz, yeah. a.k.a. Fonzie, yeah. played winningly oh, man. by Henry Winkler. And One of my favourite characters as a teenager, I just loved Fonzie, because the reruns of this show... Were on TV all the time, yeah. and I used to love Happy Days, and I idolized Arthur Fonzarelli to the point where I had it as like my MSN name for a while, my messenger name. And can I? Oh, that's so that's so funny to me that you. Yeah. So far, the, as far as I'm aware, your biggest heroes <laughs> growing up have been Tony Manero, Arthur Fonzarelli, uh, Rocky Balboa. And mm-hmm. just just in general, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Yeah. Just all these sensitive Mediterranean <laughs> men. I'm like, well, that's what being a man is about. These guys. Were you heartbroken when you found out Henry Winkler was not, in fact, Italian? No. I, it strengthened it. It strengthened my love for him. <laughs> He's so great. I love him. But yeah. uh, at a certain point- I think point- Jews, Greeks, <clears throat> and Italians, they can all play each other. Absolutely no problem. Spanish, chuck them in there too. Sure. And, as, and from my perspective- Scottish, English, and Irish are also interchangeable. <laughs> okay, that's a little more controversial, Cameron. But, uh... <laughs> so Fonzie became like the, the breakout character, even though he was really like a fifth string character in the first season. Mm-hmm. And very quickly they retooled Happy Days to be not Fonzie-centric, but to bring him into the middle of it. He was His mm. character moved into the garage of the Cunningham yep. family into the apartment above the garage and storylines centered around him. And then by the end of the season, he's basically the second lead. Um, a yep. similar thing happened with Family Matters, which is a 1980s yep. sitcom pitched as being a semi-realistic comedy about an African-American family in Chicago. Um, they wrote a funny side character as their neighbor called Steve Urkel. And mm-hmm. within about five episodes, Steve Urkel was the most popular person on television. And they retooled the, <laughs> re- the entire show to be about the neighbor rather than about the central family that it was about. So that's not yeah. exactly what I want to talk about. But I think that's enough of an idea of what, you know, the, the area mm. we're talking about. What I want to talk about is a total retool. Now you hinted at you it can with this. Please say total reboot. Please, total it gives me happy reboot. memories. Reboot. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. You hinted at it a bit early with that up all night show. So mm. that's a that's a great modern example of it. That was, uh, as you said, so it was a kind of a single cam sitcom. I think it was Will Arnett and Christina Applegate, Christina Applegate and my and Rudolph. Rudolph. And the premise of the show was that Christina Applegate and Will Arnett were new parents. They had a baby and they were both juggling intense work life with being new parents. Mm. So, hence why they're up all night, you know. Oh, I I think the original premise was they used to be party people. 
They yeah. were party animals. <laughs> party yes, animals. they were party animals. <laughs> so they treated one up all night yeah. to another up all night. Yeah, and so that was the original pitch of the show. And then mm-hmm. Maya Rudolph was a side character in it. And then Bridesmaids came out. And they said, and the producers of the show said, wow, Maya Rudolph is in the biggest movie of all time. Let's bring her character into it more. And they changed the premise of the show from Christina Applegate's character working for a PR firm to Mm -hmm. Christina Applegate's character is a personal assistant to a talk show host played by Maya Rudolph. Not unlike Oprah Winfrey, a character she famously parodied on Saturday Night Live. So that became the first retool. And then after about eight or nine episodes of that, it wasn't landing. So they ditched the talk show element entirely they cut it out and all of a sudden uh it was just back to being the bare bones original idea balancing Mm. work and family life my rudolph was still in it as a friend but we never see her talk show ever even though she's the most famous talk show host in the world in the in the universe (laughs) i feel like it was also a bit of a response to 30 rock as well to like have that kind of backstage showbiz element to this show that definitely doesn't need it i remember watching this i i probably saw every episode of the show i really liked it because i loved will arnett i mm. loved christina applegate i loved my rudolph and it was at that time where i was watching almost everything in that nbc mm. comedy lineup sure. it was when i was a little pirate and downloading all of them um wow. and I uh, can't remember who the creator was, but the creator was someone was a, that I liked enough. She was an SNL writer, a former SNL writer. Yeah. So it was sort of semi-based on her working these late nights at SNL whilst also having a newborn, you know. Um, anyway, that show was still tanking, and so they retooled it again. And as you hinted at earlier, they decided to change it from being a single cam to a multi-cam in front of a mm-hmm. live studio audience. And wow. very classic sitcom style, How I Met Your Mother's probably the only one contemporary yeah. that was big at the time, I guess. But wait for this, Alexi. This is the most insane thing. They were going to mm. retool the premise one more time so that everything that we'd seen in the previous season was a show within a show. And season f- two was going to be about the actors who played the characters in season one. That also that oh my I my brain can't even compute it because that is it should even be the other way around like it only makes sense if it was a traditional sitcom and then season two that's when they go single cam to do that premise to swap that premise is that premise to swap that premise with that style mm. seems fucking stupid. Well, I can't yeah. even say it any other way. Well, I mean, you're not the only person who thought that. Christina Applegate and Will Arnett both thought that and they left the show before that ever happened. So they yeah. both quit and the show never went ahead in this new proposed retool that they were going to do. But the reason that- Wait, the show went ahead. Oh, no, no. It, it- it got done. As soon as Christina and Will okay. left, it got fucking pulled. Like, there was okay. no... We never get to see the world where it's now a multicam about actors yeah, within the first two seasons or whatever. Fuck, that's so crazy, man. But it's such a weird idea. The reason that this but has I kind under- of popped up... Oh, sorry, you go. You go. I do kind of understand it as, you know, people... You and I, we work in, like, TV quite a lot. I can understand the... 
the want to retool. Like, you know, it's your job. You want to have that mm. steady job of having a show on TV. You'll pop- I can have that in my head of taking away, like, whatever artistic scruples I have to go, okay, I'm going to make it work so I can keep my show, so I can keep working, so I can keep this job. And completely retooling to something as insane and divergent as that. And it's happened uh, It's happened very recently again. This is why it's kind of popped into my head is um, there's a show on the air right now that you and I will never watch. I, I just know in my heart mm-hmm. that I will never see this show and I'm beyond 100% certain that you'll never see this show. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a sitcom. I imagine this is one of the four shows that I watch a year. It's like, <laughs> hang on, dude, this is this is one of my shows. <laughs> it's um, it's this new Chuck Law sitcom um, <gasps> starring Thomas Middleditch. Have you heard of this show? It's oh. called Be Positive. Yeah, um, there's a few Chuck Law shows that are like in the space that are so strange. But is this the one... Where be positive, he's got like a blood disease or some shit. <laughs> yeah, so Thomas something like that. Thomas Middleditch, who, by the way, maybe five years ago, you and I would have said was someone was one of our guys. We quite liked him. Yeah, an, an idol of mine for sure. At some point in time, and then and um, for reasons we don't really need worthy to get into. of a. Yeah, perhaps worthy of an episode following up just on who Thomas Middleditch is one day. We don't really like him so much anymore. It doesn't matter why. Look it up for yourselves. But um, so in the in this show, Thomas Middleditch is a guy who finds out he is in kidney failure. He's having kidney failure okay. and he needs to find a worthy donor. And he finds a girl who is the perfect donor for him. But she's a hard partying, drinking, wild girl. Wow. And she An up all night style character. <laughs> An up all nighter, basically. <laughs> and she agrees to like rein in her partying until she can donate the kidney to him. And it's about their mm. friendship blossoming during this time. Anyway, that's how the show's pitched. It's a fucking kidney donor comedy. Anyway, yeah, it's a great genre. Great genre, one of the classic kidney donor genre. And then, end of season one, they do the kidney transplant. Start of season two, it's about an entirely different premise. From season two onwards, these two are just friends now, and yep. she has inherited tens of millions of dollars from a um, dead uncle or some shit. And now it's wow. about the two of them being rich people. And the show's still on the air. Like, this wasn't just... <laughs> this I this just it, didn't happen and it disappear. Oh, it's still going. Man. I, actually, it may have just been cancelled, to be fair. I think wow. but it went, it went to the end of season with this entirely new premise <clears throat> of like, hey, this used to be about kidney failure, but now it's about these two people that now have lots of money and how they're going to wow. deal with being rich. So funny. Um, well, can I just say that's life, man. It's unpredictable. Sometimes <laughs> these things happen. <laughs> that's fucking life, brother. But there was a. Uh, there's two. I mean, there's a big example I wanted to bring up for you today. That's something that I think is very exciting to me. It's one of my fascinations. I want to give you two more brief examples because mm-hmm. I think you won't know about them, and I think you'll find them interesting. Yep. The first is uh, a, a show starring one of our guys, one of our favourite members of CADS. Um, oh. You and I love CADS, the character actors dying yes. in society. 
And uh, many storied <clears throat> members from Richard Kind yes. to Lawrence Fishburne yes. to Kevin Pollock. So I'm guessing, is it one of those three that I mentioned? No, but or is it Alfred Molina? <clears throat> it's none of them. This is a okay. This guy's at the table at every dinner, but your eyes are never drawn to him, Alexi, because he's oh, he's wow. he's never. He's never been a breakout character actor, but in my mind, mm. I think he's one of the great men at this dinner table. And I would love one to, if I was guys. sitting at the cad's table, I'd love to sidle up next to him and ask him about this project in particular. The man I'm talking about is Stephen Weber. I Wings. love Stephen Weber. <laughs> Of course. Love Stephen Webber. Of course you love him. We all love Stephen Webber. I love Stephen Webber from Wings, like you said, mm-hmm. from the Larry David directed movie Sour Grace, where he yes. stars alongside Craig, Craig Bjerker, Bjerker, one of our other guys. Yes, yes. Um, and isn't he also Jack Torrance in the <laughs> Stephen King approved TV movie of The Shining? <laughs> yes, he is. He is. So, off the back of Wings, Stephen Webber was given a sitcom built around him. The name of the show is Cursed. Now, this is, I think, the first time I ever saw a sitcom retool happen. And I don't okay. know if it was in real... It must have been in real time because this is 2000, oh. the year 2000, Whoa. 2001. I'm watching God this show almighty. on Foxtel. Amongst Olympics coverage, probably. <laughs> <laughs> My family finally springs for Foxtel. And wow, on okay. Fox 8, this show airs, the show called Cursed, wow. a Stephen Webber vehicle. Man. God, let me tell you this, by the way, Fox 8 was maybe the channel cursed with the most shit sitcoms. Like, it always had the worst sitcoms that would last one or two seasons. And it was just like the the freaking cemetery for those and the Simpsons. That's all it had. And a little bit of wrestling, I think. Do you remember Son of the Beach? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those shows that no one knows exists. And I'm going, yeah, guys, he's got Tim Stack playing uh, the Hasselhoff. And the joke is that he's sexy in the show, but he's just an ugly old schmo in real life. And then Tim Stack later goes on to play himself in My Name is Earl as the town celebrity. (laughs) Fuck, that's so funny. I reckon we're the only (laughs) two people that know Son of the Beach. (laughs) Yeah. And I know all of that information about it that's stuck in my brain. Do you remember Curse? Did you ever see this show? Not at all. No idea. Never heard of it. All right. I'm going to tell you the premise of this show. So the show is stars Stephen Webber, Chris Elliott, Wendell Pierce, and Amy Pites. The premise of the show is that Stephen Webber, Jack Torrance from the Stephen King approved version <laughs> of The Shining, is a Lothario, a New York City Lothario. This man wow. cannot stop laying chicks. But unfortunately wow. for him... One of the great pipe masters of New York City. <laughs> this pants man gets on the wrong side of a, to use the term that the show uses, gypsy lady. And he, okay. he jilts her and she curses him with bad luck for eternity. So the premise of the show is that bad luck is going to follow Stephen Webber around. Like anything that can mm. go wrong will go wrong. Mr. Bean style. Shit's pratfalls. Things are getting caught in things. Wow. He, has, he has a big presentation for his job, but um, he's going to break both his arms on the way to the meeting and shit like that. After three episodes of this premise, uh, views are very bad. No one's tuning in to okay. watch this show, Cursed. Damn. So they take a month off, and then they come back, 
and the show is now called The Weber Show. Wow. And well, that will please all the webheads out there. <laughs> the I, see, maybe I've only seen The Weber Show. I've never seen Cursed. It's precursor. The premise of the newly retooled The Weber Show, and bear in mind, this is episode four of the first season. Unreal. Unreal. That it's about four single friends in New York City living it up and having a good time. <laughs> What year? 2000. This is from the year 2000. <laughs> it's from the year 2000. They try to make it like friends, basically. They go, all right, people don't like the curse, but everyone will love watching Stephen Weber and Chris Elliott just cat it up in oh New York my City God. and try to pick up chicks. <laughs> I can't think of two less likely guys for me to accept that premise from. <laughs> Of Chris Elliott and Stephen Webber watching them pick up chicks. That's cruel. I don't like it. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not the only one. The show got canned after 10 seasons or something like that. But that- 10 seasons? It ran as long as Seinfeld. <laughs> I meant 10 episodes. I meant 10 episodes. 10 seasons is... That's so funny. It's the Webber show. That actually... <laughs> They, they figured it out. They figured it out. They they broke the curse, if you will. That's actually a good idea for a sitcom. If it's not working, just go, fuck, okay, uh, episode three, let's just start what we're going to do in season two, and then just each episode's the new season. <laughs> <laughs> just go one one season is ten years. That's a, that's a retool that I saw happen in real time. I remember watching it and being like wasn't this show called cursed and like asking my brothers like wasn't this didn't he have a curse on him or Mm. something and they were like my brothers were like i don't think so i think it's just always been about these four buddies hanging out in new york city and it made me feel insane this is actually a a pet peeve of mine when they just go well it's a sitcom let's just name it after the lead comedic star i don't i actually it's a pet peeve of mine especially when it's like well, yeah, his name's not Bob Newhart in the show. Yeah. His name's some guy. I just, I I don't know what it is. It bothers I, me, it too. It really disgusts me. I'm like, just think of a title. Can't you just go? Mary Tyler Moore Show, just call it Behind the News or some shit. Yeah, it bothers me, too. But I, it's like, obviously, a hangover from radio or something like that, where people mm, would yeah. name their show after the star. God. But it, it bothers Jack me. Jack Benny has a lot to answer for. He does. <laughs> Another one that happened during our lifetime I want to briefly tell you about is Ellen's sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellen DeGeneres, one of the most famous assholes on the on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so funny and so talented. You put up with all their shit. Yeah, and everyone, everyone knows Ellen now for hosting the talk show, the daytime talk show yeah. that was probably the most watched daytime talk show ever. But before that, Ellen had a Since sitcom. Since Maya Rudolph's show, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Since the Ava show from Up All Night. <laughs> um, Ellen's sitcom. Do you remember it? Did you ever watch it? Uh, I've never seen it. All I know about it is that she comes out as a lesbian on the show to yeah. Oprah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> Insane. That's the only thing I know about it is Oprah's in it. That's and probably... it was enough of a cultural touchstone to be like a, a ubiquitous piece of pop culture for like, you know, three seconds of one episode. It's um, it's insane that that's probably the only thing anyone will ever remember this sitcom for because 
it was the biggest thing ever that this woman mm-hmm. was f- essentially forced to come out as gay in real life and then on her sitcom as well. Like the world was like, you have to be gay. Are you gay? Just mm-hmm. admit you're gay. And she said, yes. Yeah. And then they were like, well, your character also has to be gay as well, by the way. And she was kind of forced to come out on the show. It's a big, big thing. But the, the little known element of this show that no one really talks about anymore and the bit that fascinates me more is that in the first season, this show was not called Ellen. The show was called These Friends of Mine and it was an ensemble comedy in the vein of Seinfeld where... These Friends of Mine sounds like the title of a mafia sitcom. <laughs> this thing of ours. <laughs> the Mickey Blue Eyes sitcom. <laughs> He's friends of mine. <laughs> yeah, so that was the premise of the show for the first season was uh, they kind of did a gender-flipped Seinfeld and it was about Ellen and three of her buddies and they were just wow. catting it up in New York City or whatever the fuck this place wow. is. Wow. <laughs> not unlike the Weber show. <laughs> not unlike the Weber show, which is not a Webisode, I just have to say. The Weber it show was broadcast was TV broadcast only. television, not Webisodes. <laughs> It may be- it's never been streamed once. <laughs> That's probably true. I reckon yeah, I reckon no one's ever streamed it. I reckon it's been streamed 12 times. <laughs> it's like someone watched all episodes and then someone watched two episodes. That's it. <laughs> so Ellen, uh, Ellen's show, yeah, it's called These Friends of Mine. It's a Seinfeld-style show. And then they go on break. They do eight episodes or so. They go on a break. And during that time, they decide Ellen is famous enough that we should just call the show Ellen because she's become like a pop culture star. And also, mm-hmm. this show is called These Friends of Mine. And there's already a show <laughs> called Friends that's incredibly popular. <laughs> so- Who else is co-starring on this freaking show? I-, I can't imagine one other actor. Let's have a look. Um... Oh, Jolie Fisher? Jolie, Jolie Fisher's in it? Okay. You know her? The only person I can also imagine is um, pre-hair transplant <laughs> Jeremy Piven. Dude, are you looking up the Wikipedia right now? No. No, he's not in it, is Jeremy he? Piven is in the show. <laughs> is it pre-hair transplant? Is of he course. like bald though? Of course. Wow. I was making the assumption because he he was the fake George and Jerry, the Seinfeld TV show. I'm like, well, I can imagine him being in a shittier version of Seinfeld. He's in it. He's like the fourth lead. Unfortunately, I think there's a part of my brain where I was reincarnated from a previous life of being a 90s casting agent. Because remember when we talked about City of Angels and my guess was Dennis Franz was going to be in it and then he was and we lost our minds? Yeah, yeah. You would kill it if you were like casting for Bruckheimer or something in the 90s. You'd be... Yeah, unfortunately, almost every one of my Rolodex is dead or cancelled. I can't really work anymore. (laughs) So Ellen's another great example of one of these types of shows. They retool it a few times uh, before it lands on being a show about a woman coming out of the closet. It it became... (laughs) First it was Ellen and her friends in the city. Then it was Ellen and her friends in a bookshop that they all work in. And then it was oh Ellen just kind of navigating the dating world. And then it was 
Ellen coming out of the closet, essentially, and then it got cancelled right Whoa. after that. Really weird. What the hell? History of that show, really. Like, it's sort of like... it's She transcended the show very quickly and became yeah. too big for it. And at the end of the day, no one really cared about her as an actor. They just liked her as a comedian and a personality, and she ended up becoming the most famous asshole in morning TV. <laughs> <laughs> Joy Behar, eat your heart out. Wow. But the main That's one. That's crazy. The main one, Alexi, that I wanted to talk to you about today, very quickly, before we go home, mm-hmm. is my favorite, my favorite example of a sitcom retool ever. This is the prime example for me. It's when a show launches with a hard premise, a really mm-hmm. big swing of a gimmick, and then midway through the first season, changes tact entirely and changes aesthetic entirely. Um, oh my god! We brought up the show Friends a couple of times on this show, uh, and this mm-hmm. stars one of the friends. This stars Matthew oh. Perry, famous for playing okay. Chandler Bing or Chenandler Bong. Um, oh, as he's mispronouncing his male. <laughs> <laughs> you and I are big Friends fans. <laughs> Oh, it sucks, but I have probably encyclopedic knowledge of that show, <laughs> I and know. I don't think I've ever liked it, but I have seen every episode. I've, I also have and seen I've every seen episode. And I've seen all of Joey. I hate to admit it. I've seen all of Joey as well. <laughs> and I've written spec scripts for a rock spin-off. Ross. <laughs> it's called Ross Rocks, and he becomes a geologist instead of a paleontologist as a career change. <laughs> I hate to admit it. I hate myself. <laughs> Matthew Perry, you know, you'd look at you'd look at Friends and you'd think, "Wow, this guy came out of nowhere, overnight success. Yeah. This guy's the breakout star." Little did we know at the time that this was his third attempt at being the lead of a sitcom. He'd had two previous mm-hmm. sitcoms before Friends. One is a series called Home Free from 1993, so just a year before he was the mm-hmm. third lead. Uh, another one called Sydney, starring your buddy, wow. Craig Bierko. Oh, I love Craig Bierko. Yes, I know. You go Berserko for Bierko. <laughs> and that's not that's from 1990. And then the one before that is the one that I want to talk to you about today. And that is a 1987 sitcom called Second Chance. Have you heard of this show? Oh, never heard of it. And I think uh, Matthew Perry is one of those interesting guys to me because it's hard to believe that he's just an actor. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, he seems like someone that must have been a comic or is a writer, actor or something, but he's straight up, he's just an actor. And I think it's because we know him from sitcoms, we know him from TV, and the stuff that he's in, he usually plays an actor. He usually plays someone who is almost like a writer type guy. A Matt Albee from uh, Studio 60 type, is that what you're Yeah, thinking? of course. Yeah, Matt Albee, Studio 60, this movie that I watch called Numb that I think is a TV movie or something that has, for some reason, been stuck in my head forever. He's one of those actors that just has a defined comedic persona, which is pretty rare mm. for just a an, a an actor. Most actors are pretty transformative and they'll be whatever they need to be, but Matthew yeah. Perry kind of spent the 80s and the 90s honing this character that became Chandler Bing, essentially, like this sort of sarcastic, wise-ass type guy. Um, And Second Chance is the first 
time you really see that character appear. I'll tell you the premise of this show. It's got such a hardcore premise. It's one of the most insane premises I've ever encountered, and I think you're going to love it. All right. Second, the pilot for Second Chance... (laughs) This, by the way, this movie, this show is made in 1987, but the pilot for Second Chance begins in the year 2011. So this is the future. What? <laughs> Where a guy called Charles dies in a hovercraft accident and is sent to the pearly gates. When he arrives at the pearly gates, Saint Peter gives him three choices. <laughs> he can go what to heaven. What the fuck is going on? He can go to hell. Or he can travel back in time to 1987 and become a mentor slash father figure to a younger version of himself. Charles chooses door number three and he travels back to 1987 where he moves in to the apartment above the garage, Fonzie style, um, of his old childhood home to become a mentor figure to his fatherless teenage self, played by Matthew Perry. Dude, I'm going to tell you something a bit crazy. I love this premise. Great premise. <laughs> I actually love it. I would make this. It's a good this premise. Is, I think it's really quite cool. Like, maybe maybe, oh, maybe less for a, mo- a sitcom, more for a movie, but then also, like, the everyday lessons a sitcom can offer. I think I fucking dig this thing. It has a bit of a um, Back to the Future vibe about it too. Don't mm. you think? Who's playing the older character sent from heaven? Yeah, some guy I don't really know. His name's Keel, Keel Martin. Um, he was from Hill Street Blues, apparently. I don't really know oh, him from okay. anything else. Matthew Perry is the younger version of himself who's... Whose name is Chaz, which is like a young Chaz. teen version of Charles, which is cool. Can I play the opening theme song for you? Yeah, please. I'm Charles Russell. In the year 2011, I died and found myself in St. Peter's office. He told me I wasn't good enough for heaven or bad enough for hell. I was sent back to Earth in the year 1987. Who are you? Don't just stand there, Charles. Say hello to yourself. If I had a second chance, tell me where would I take it? How different would I make it? I gotta go back. Back to yesterday somehow. I gotta go back. Whoa. It's really weird seeing this look like a traditional sit. Matthew L. Perry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, hey. Look at these guys. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, Joseph Mark as St. Peter. Matthew L. Perry. And then there's these two side characters who get who are like, one looks like a kind of jockey Vinnie Barbarino type. He's got a sleeveless yeah. leather jacket on. Um, his name is Booch. That character's name is Booch. Oh, the Booch. <laughs> I think his last name's Bucciarelli or something like that. That's what I was going to guess. His name must be like Arthur Bucciarelli. And then there's a little dweebier looking guy in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, his last name is Gooberman. Oh, the Goob. The Booch and the Goob. 
So, so Charles goes back in time and I guess spends a bit of time hanging out with his younger self, his younger self's two best friends and his mum. and uh, Joseph Marr plays St. Peter who pops in and out throughout the mm-hmm. season. This goes on for eight episodes. Terrible, terrible viewing. No one really gives a fuck about this premise or this God show. So the writing team disappear for a month. They go away to Las Vegas, allegedly. <laughs> and they, wow. they hole up in a casino and they totally retool the show to be called Boys Will Be Boys. And the premise of Boys Will Be Boys is <laughs> that Chaz, a.k.a. Matthew L. Perry, Booch and Gooberman all move into the apartment above the garage, Fonzie style, in Chaz's Whoa. house and just hang out and have a good time. The older version of Charles disappears, never spoken of again. St. Peter disappears, never spoken of again. There is no supernatural element to the second half of this show. It is just boys will be boys hanging out in the apartment above the garage. And I just want to show you the opening titles for that. And you can hear it's the same theme, but they've made it a little bit funkier. I am aghast. Okay, so far, it's only B-roll of sexy women on the bench. at Venice Beach. <laughs> Good heavens above. And then there's this, like, stop frame. Which is not included in this show. <laughs> oh. See, here they are. It's just boys will be boys hanging out this time. Oh, he's doing a Chandler-style dance. Shots from the original opening sequence. Wow, he kept the L. <laughs> you gotta take the L. There's the bitch. Hey. Ooh, There's Gooberman. Oh, brother. Oh, Gooberman. <laughs> I think I'm gonna love Gooberman. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Oh, my God. Yes. Boys will be boys. Wow. And that is what I wanted to tell you about today. Just because I find it fascinating and just because I find it incredibly bizarre. And I've been trying to put my finger on what it is about this particular phenomenon that lures me in so much and fascinates me and bothers me. And I think I think it's because it reveals to me how willing I am to buy in on fiction and mm. how much I need fiction as an escape. And whatever the premise of a show is, I'll usually go, okay, that's what this world is. That's what the artists and the creators have set up for me. I'm willing to live in this world and escape from my world into it. And it is incredibly disrespectful and disgusting when the creators mm-hmm. then take a sledgehammer and dismantle that world in front of our very eyes. And it really hits me on a primal level where I feel angry that they are doing that to me. Even if it's something I haven't watched. I've never watched Second Chance. I've never watched Boys Will Be Boys. But the idea that (laughs) that they did that really upsets me and pisses me off and honestly hurts my feelings as a viewer of television and as a fan of Matthew L. Perry. I think what is... 
something I've noticed from your presentation of this and racking my brain during it, I don't think I can think of a single successful version of this happening. Mm. The closest that we come to is the ones you put earlier where it is a tweak, like a tweaking Mm. within the original premise to favor a different character with Fonzie, with Steve Urkel or Stefan Urkel, if you will, (laughs) as a subset of that character. (laughs) <laughs> did I, I do I, that? I, well, he he did do that. He was responsible for that. <laughs> but um, it's just something that I I I don't understand how many times that this can happen where it has never once proved successful, to the best of my knowledge. Yeah, I and know. my knowledge is the best as well. By the way, <laughs> I think there's been like some. Minor variations of it. Angel, this this show Angel became a legal drama in the final season of it, mm. and Scrubs became a, a show about them teaching at a medical school for the final season. So there's been a couple of examples where I guess it's sort of worked as the show's already on the way out the door. But yeah, it'll never it never can work because it reveals to us the artifice of it all. And if we choose to view a sitcom as an escape from the everyday realities that we live in, watching a sitcom be retooled reminds us too much of real life. It reminds us of, like, administrative problems that are going on behind the scenes. It reminds us of, like, contract disputes and shit that actually Mm -hmm. happens in our own work lives. And it takes away the reality of it for us and it makes us resent it and hate it. And um, I think maybe that's why I'm fascinated by it because it's so disrespectful of what the idea of a sitcom is. Yeah, it's a massive betrayal. (laughs) One little bit of interesting thing that I've discovered since you've introduced me to the actor Kill Martin, best known as the guy that goes back in time from his death in 2011 to guide his younger self as a mentor, is that um, he was born Kill Urban Mueller. But he changed his name to Kill Martin. (laughs) My least favorite joke of all time, Cameron, how dare you? My least favorite joke. Mueller. (laughs) He's professionally known as Kill Martin. And then he eventually, in 1969, marries Claudia Martin, who was actor, crooner, Dean Martin's daughter. Oh, what? So he changed his name to Martin, and then he marries someone whose last name is Martin that was also changed to Martin. (laughs) What the fuck, man? That's really weird. (laughs) Maybe Keel Mueller slash Martin will get his own episode one day. Perhaps not. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Thanks Thanks for indulging me. I just had to get it off my chest. And uh, I couldn't think of anyone else to talk to about it other than you and our listeners. Finally, you are free of this obsession. You never have to think about it again. You never have to find out about the 2017 Adam Scott, Craig Robinson starring show (laughs) Ghosted that began as an X-Files parody and then changed midway through its first season and only season to be something more in line with an office-based sitcom. Oh, God. I wish you hadn't told me that. (laughs) That was the only other modern one that I remember. That's so frustrating. <laughs> it's so annoying to hear about it. Mm-hmm.